This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast. I'm Andy. And I'm Sarah. And in today's journey, we talk with Veggie Vagabonds. Yeah, if you're wondering a way to live a perhaps more sustainable lifestyle or cut back on driving your car a little bit, this podcast just might be the motivation for you. These vagabonds are living the true kind of sense of the word in that they kind of are wandering from place to place without a real plan. They have an end goal, but getting there is not entirely planned out. And you'll hear more about that in our interview with them. So sit back and enjoy the episode with Veggie Vagabonds. And maybe in 2020, you'll apply some of this to your lifestyle. We are joined, uh, well, for me, it's the afternoon. For Josh and Sarah, it's the evening. But we're joined by Josh and Sarah, and they are Veggie Vagabonds together. And they are currently in France, and they I've been following them on Instagram for quite some time now, just loving their pictures and their mission to travel as vegans. And, I mean, all of your guys' stories of food you cook are, I just, I'm always drooling over the food. <laughs> so, um, thank you for coming on our podcast today you guys well thank you for yeah, having us really <laughs> yes um so why don't you just tell us a little bit about your guys's background um around being vegan and I kind of read a little bit on your blog it sounded like you grew up being vegan Josh so I was um I was brought up a veggie both my parents were um they're old hippies so they brought me up a, a veggie and then um from the age of, well, so then when we met, we... We were veggie, and then we decided to go vegan. And that was about five or six, about five years ago. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I've been vegan for about five years, which um, in some parts of the world is a lot easier than other parts of the world. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you guys, so you're originally from the UK. So when you yeah. guys met, you were living there. Was it challenging to switch to veganism when you were there? No, no I'd say in England, it was quite easy. I mean, it the time it wasn't as popular as it is now but it was very easy like you didn't need to miss out on anything yeah I think and to have a healthy diet it was quite easy to get everything you needed England's a really interesting um interesting country for vegans because the the national cuisine is probably one of their most uh, you know one of the worst cuisines for vegans it really is terrible everything is based around the meat or is cooked with butter or some kind of dairy um but in the last kind of like six, seven, eight years, the vegan scene has just got so big that the national cuisine is terrible, but there's so many vegan options outside mm-hmm. of that, which um, makes it now have, you know, having traveled to many different countries, it's really a really great place to be um, for vegans. Mm. Okay. So then it sounds like switching from vegetarian to vegan was, was a fairly smooth switch together. Yeah, I'd say so. In terms of like the practicalities of it, in terms of like the the willpower, well, not necessarily the willpower, but I think 
I, we, you know, we were both before we switched. We were both big dairy lovers. You know, we cheese, cheese. We, it was we, <laughs> all of the cheese. We lived down the road from a cheese deli, and they became our, our close friends because they realised <laughs> they could make quite a lot of money from us. Um, so it it did take some some time to like really get used to, you know, ex, you know, taking it away from the diet. Mm. Yeah, that had to be have been hard to get give up cheese. Uh, do you ever tr- have you ever tried the non dairy cheeses? Yeah, we have tried them, and some are better than others. I mean, when we first <laughs> tried them, it was like rubber; it was horrible. But as of now, there is a few that are a lot better. <laughs> so and it's it's not the same as cheese, but it's it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I think this is we've always kind of said that it's like you shouldn't think of it as replacing cheese. You should just think of it as something similar to cheese because it won't you know or as it stands now it won't be we've not found anything which is the same yeah like if you compare it it doesn't match up to real cheese but, no. um, but it's okay yeah uh, but, <laughs> we're not selling it that well are we <laughs> no so you guys you started out your whole veggie vagabond journey and you went to sri lanka when it first started is that correct you traveled over to Sri Lanka? Yeah. So we yeah. that was um about four years ago. We we went over to Sri Lanka. Um and that I mean that the national food there, Sri Lankan food is just it's a haven. It's a haven for vegans. And it's not just that, but is is delicious. The food's so varied. Yeah, it's and, incredible. Um each each con- each like region's got their own regional tradition uh, like specialities everything's fresh there's mm-hmm. so many such a huge variety the fruits all the curries the season so definitely it was really really incredible and that was yeah the first that's sort of where we started our journey I guess but we weren't actually doing veggie vagabonds at the time it was only two years later that veggie vagabonds was born and that we yeah started doing the blog I know you guys had decided to stop flying and was that kind of what um, brought you up to the Veggie Vagabonds website and starting to blog about it? Was the whole not flying movement for you the start of Veggie Vagabonds? No, I wouldn't say so. The, the... So I, I think that the big um, the big starting point for Veggie Vagabonds was we we had we, we had two years whilst we were traveling through Sri Lanka and Asia where we you know, we were having we travelled a lot before that, but we I think this was the longest trip we'd had away together, and um, we didn't have a computer or anything, so we we were kind of building up all this these experiences and knowledge, but we didn't you know we we hadn't even thought about trying to share it apart from just you know on social media and things, and then when we came back, so we were living in in Vietnam and we came back to the UK, and that was when we realized you know we've got a computer we've got all these experiences we want to start writing about it yeah and kind of sharing sharing our experiences and knowledge with with other people and as a side thing we had decided in our personal life that we wanted to always travel but stop flying and that just kind of fed into our idea that we want to encourage sustainability and traveling at the same time so that's kind of where veggie vagabonds was born this whole idea that we want to promote being sustainable getting into the outdoors like yeah trying to lead a yeah a more a more ethical lifestyle mm-hmm. kind of outdoors ethical lifestyle i guess before um veggie vagabonds was there any other 
any other um, titles you guys were thinking of when you were thinking of your website name besides Veggie Vagabonds? How did that come to be, that name? So I, th- I think this kind of, it started in Sri Lanka. Yeah. Because we were... Um, we were we were so impressed and I guess obsessed by the food mm-hmm. that we um, really kind of spent our days literally like eating the, the definition <laughs> of vagabonding, just kind of like wandering from place to place, just kind of gra- grazing on big portions of food. So that's kind of yeah where veggie vagabonds mm. came from. So I guess the name came before the actual idea of the blog came that we just sort of named ourselves as these two veggie vagabonds wandering through. Sri Lanka eating lots of food. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, it just kind of naturally formed as your as your passions and your lifestyles. That's that's awesome. Some of your guys' articles you share are so informative, like the great perspective on a bunch of reasons why why a Viet diet diet sucks. That one was kind of funny in a sarcastic way. Yeah. <laughs> but um they're super informational for people who have all these um misconceptions about veganism um I mean do you guys hear I mean obviously you wrote that article but what are like some of the hardest things to hear as vegans I I really don't like the stereotype that um you know these and I think this is something that we've tried to challenge from the start was that um you know if you're a vegan you just you know you just eat um saddle leaves and nuts and you're 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 weaker um you you know you, you can't you can't keep up with outdoors things. You can't get outdoors equipment. And this was always something that we wanted to um, that we wanted to challenge. And I think before we um, no, we we were running the blog actually, but we I think the first thing where we really wanted to make that point was when we we did the three peaks challenge instead of doing the regular three peaks where you you just hike. So most people try and do it in 24 hours. Where you uh, hike the three highest peaks in Scotland, England, and Wales. And people would drive in between trying to do all three in 24 hours, which is impressive, but we thought not yeah, very sustainable. We didn't like the thought of, you know, spending most, you know, almost half the time you're, you're going to be in the car. So we thought we'd turn it into a um, a real adventure and cycle in between. Um, and that was, you know, half kind of done. Well, obviously, we wanted to do it for the experience itself, but also to kind of show that, you know, vegan diet, vegan gear is completely possible to, you know, do seriously hard outdoors things and also um, to show that you don't really need to be driving everywhere and flying everywhere you can still mm-hmm. you can turn anything into a bigger adventure than it could be yeah but do, do, do you have a hard time finding vegan snacks or vegan meals when you're out doing these things or is it pretty easy we tend to make a lot of our things ourselves, just because Sarah's a um, a wizard in the kitchen. Oh, thank you. But I think it makes it a bit easier when you do when you make things yourself because then you know what you're putting into it. And yeah, when you are buying things from shops, it is a lot more difficult. A lot of things have dairy in, like even if it's the smallest amount, so it makes those off limits. So by making things ourselves, we're able to make, especially for being in the outdoors, like high energy sort of snacks that we can have. Yeah, we, we we put a lot more calories in than your average shop would put into their flapjacks. <laughs> extra energy. That makes them extra delicious. <laughs> Yum. Yeah, I think that that's one of the hardest things about finding just good food when you're out hiking too is just like the calorie density. You need a lot of calories, especially for you guys. You're going into all these mountains and the Alps and stuff. 
So finding the highest calorie dense food and creating that um, could per- perhaps be a little bit of a struggle. <laughs> and it is, it is still difficult. I mean, in England, it's a bit easier to find like vegan foods in shops. But here in France, it's very difficult. Like we have struggled yeah. to find like, pr- you know, prepared vegan snacks. If it's like bars or sandwiches, like anything like that, apart from buying raw fruits and vegetables, like it's very difficult to find vegan food. Mm. And also, I think so there's in a lot of the up in the, the mountains where you have these mountain huts and refuges, um where it's you know you it's the only thing in the, in the whole mountainside you know there's no no places you can you know get phone signal toilets you know it's just a mountain but then you have these refuges up there where they um they're very minimal where you can spend the night but they they quite often serve food and one of the main things they do is fondues <laughs> which obviously is um not very vegan friendly not, not, not so vegan friendly <laughs> Right. So for those things, you guys must have to you just have to plan for that and probably pack extra weight with food since you can't eat those meals that they're making in the huts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, we do. Yes. We but I think that. because we've always done it, it seems quite normal Yeah. to have that extra weight. It, we've never really done it without if we're doing like a big day, multi-day hike or even like a day hike. Like we'll always bring our own snacks so it just seems normal to have it just as you would water or things like this but then it means when you're just on a like a lighter day hike it means you really fly up the trails when you don't have a don't have the backpack on Mm -hmm. right right it just becomes easier (laughs) it's just so clear for you guys that this is just like the core of what you're trying to do and it's just it's second nature to you I think particularly having come from you know like a big veggie veggie background it doesn't it, it didn't really seem like a, a big step because um, we, we've always been so used to, you know, already kind of eating a specific amount of things. I think it's just... Like half the menu was already not available or more than that. Yeah. So now we just switched down to kind of like 10% of the menu or even in France, there's maybe like 2% of the menu. <laughs> Here in the US, it can be more expensive in certain places to shop only vegan. Do you find that challenge? I would say no, again, because we make a lot of our own foods. So because we're cooking at home a lot, that makes it cheaper. But, but saying that in, in France, actually, the um, the vegetables, the fruit and vegetables are um, quite expensive compared to the other products. So it does mean that um, even, even making your own stuff is, is considerably more expensive here. Yeah, comparing it to like back home in England. Yeah, I think you, like when when we're in the shops and stuff, you see the the prices of of cheese and meats, and I think is is really a lot cheaper. So if we mm-hmm. were, I think you know it definitely is more expensive. But yeah. um, but I guess you, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And going with like finances, another question I have for you guys is how do you kind of afford this lifestyle? I mean, I know you're traveling. Are you work working? When we were traveling before, when we left to go to Sri Lanka, we saved up for um, a few years. And then we'd settled in Hanoi in Vietnam, where we were living for a year and working. Yeah. We're saving up money again to travel. And then we and had what to were you, what kind in, of job were you doing in Hanoi? We were both teaching English. Okay. Okay. So we've, yeah, I think for... For about four four years and five years, we've taught English. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, and Hanoi was a, you know, Vietnam, the whole of Vietnam is a a fascinating country. And to teach there was a really, um, yeah, a really incredible experience. Mm. I think we, you know, we'd, on this cycle tour, we'd like to go back and and see, you know, see the, the place we used to live and go back and revisit it for sure. That would be really incredible to go back and see how it's changed or maybe stayed the same. Mm-hmm. That would be pretty magnificent. What are you currently doing for work in France? So we're um, we're both working online. I think we've um, this through the winter. I think we've said we're going to stick out the winter in in the Alps and then carry on cycling afterwards. So we're both working online and trying to build up our you know build up the website a bit more and doing some freelance writing and um just we'd like to get to the point where we can earn a living like solely from the website this is yeah what we're trying to build towards and do you find that there's a lot of other um vegan websites out there of people who are doing something similar to you um i don't do a lot of research on that kind of stuff but do you guys find there's a big industry for that honestly no like you have a lot of followers we haven't found anyone else who's doing something similar to us at all like there are lots of vegan blogs out there like vegan recipe blogs but there are also lots of outdoors blogs but we've not found anything that incorporates the two it's still definitely something which is kind of catching up and this is what i think what we we're very niche that the whole idea is that we wanted to try and um make the outdoors not well not just not just open to vegans but just to uh making the outdoors more overall accessible yeah and and ethical i guess but Mm -hmm. i think um even though veganism is kind of like booming the concept of like vegan outdoors is still not not quite there and i'm Mm -hmm. thinking well i'm hoping it's something which is really gonna catch on and this is what we're trying to promote you know it's just... not just veganism as well it's like overall like you say like being ethical in the outdoors so being sustainable we think one of the best ways to do that is veganism whether it's through food or your gear but being very conscious of these places that you're exploring like how you're traveling there like what you're doing whilst you're there like the places that you're going like is it a good idea to go if it's high season to a certain area maybe you should go at a different time of year or to a different place it's sort of all these considerations of when you are in the outdoors, like how you can be as sustainable as possible. Yeah, I think that's like super helpful information and very attainable information for people. Like some of the tips you shared were, yeah, making sure you're going during the right season. I think some of the things that you guys share are just so beneficial and very simple things that people can do to live a more vegan lifestyle, like getting a water bottle, a reusable one, and biking to your trail instead of driving. And bringing a garbage bag out and picking up trash because I, th- I think with um i think that the the main thing and this is what we try and you know like get across is that i think the most important thing is to is to get outside i think the um yeah it's like the catalyst is for, it's for us has been the catalyst for why you you know why we move to a vegan diet while we try and live more sustainably it's just because we've been outside and we we've learned to appreciate yeah you sort of feel compelled that you want to protect these places because it's just this the natural world and it's our home and it's so beautiful and also it's so fragile so just by getting out there we hope that like us other people will be inspired to just do what they can to protect these places and then and then you can you know and then take baby steps from there i think is you know the really huge drastic changes is you know it, it could have a big impact 
well, they will have a big impact, but it's it's not so likely that the the masses will do it. But small, simple things like, you know, just like I said, like picking up a few pieces of litter or, um, you know, trying to use, you know, trying to buy some secondhand outdoors gear or things like that. Small things that everyone could do, which they can still doing, you know, still go outside and, you know, experience the outdoors. But it's if everyone does it, it can really make a big difference. Yeah, it absolutely can. And going with outdoor gear, um, do you guys have all vegan outdoor gear now at this point? Yeah, I mean, yes. I'm look, looking around the, looking around. Um, so when we went vegan, it wasn't as if we threw everything out that we had, but it was because that would be very unsustainable. But as things, we needed to buy new things or get new things, we would make sure it is vegan. Yeah. So when we know that we needed to get sleeping bags we made sure they were vegan and i think now it's becoming so uh, it's becoming so much easier it, um before even if something was vegan it might not actually be labeled as vegan or it um you know it could it could take you a quite a lot of research to actually find out if something is vegan whereas now it's um majority of bigger brands it's really so well labeled that you can you can find products really easily and they're, mm. they're generally not more expensive and and now i think we I think the thing which I like now is that the quality is often just as good, which so there's, you know, very little reason not to go with it. Mm. Yeah. And when you're fine, so you're finding that it's much easier to find the vegan materials now, because I know you guys were saying like Patagonia has made a big movement to go vegan and some other big brand companies are now doing that, too. Yeah, there's. um I think there's like with synthetic insulation, particularly, there's been such huge, um, you know, progress with the, the technology that um, so many, so many brands are doing it. And even kind of um, even away from like the ethics side of it, just, you know, that that synthetic insulation really has got a lot of positives depending on on what environments you're going into. So it seems to just keep the more and more research and just getting better and better. Mm. Yeah. And um, do you guys have like any what what's like your favorite gear recommendation or favorite vegan gear item that you use outdoors? Like every time you go out? Oh, I don't know. So my, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> my, my, my favorite pair of climbing shoes I've ever had were a pair of uh, 510 Anasazi Blancos, which is all um, which is all it goes on about. They're, they're, it's, it's all synthetic, but they're the best um, hard rubbered um, climbing shoes I've ever had. It's mm. probably one of my favourite. Yeah, I was going to say that or your your jacket, your North Face thermable jacket that you really like. Yeah. Although we've, we've just actually been um, sent a, a sample from Arc'teryx with one of their new insulated jackets, which it, it literally arrived two days yesterday. ago. Yesterday. So we're... So far, it seems it seems awesome, but we're we're looking forward to putting that to the test over the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Right, fantastic to keep checking out your gear. And what about you, Sarah? Do you have a favorite gear item that you're using outdoors? Not really. I mean, all of our gear is vegan. I'd probably say my sleeping bag because I feel like it's just saved me so many times from the cold. I can't remember what brand of the sleeping bag. Is it Vango? Vango something. Vango Latitude 400. There we go. So warm, and it doesn't feel like you're compromising by having a vegan one compared to a down one at all. It's so so warm. 
Yeah. And so then when you guys go on these backpacking trips, is it, are you typically just biking to the trailhead and then you go hiking? Is that how it's typically working out? Yeah. So Sometimes the train. Yeah. I think since, since we've, um, we've been here, it's, it's now changed a lot because the weather, um, a lot of the, the main roads that we were taking to get in towards like certain mountain ranges they've now closed for winter because they have avalanches so they're covered in snow so um kind of cut off a few of our options so we've it will be a combination of cycling trains and hitchhiking yeah um, is our general way and when you're hit do you find that hitchhiking is typically fairly easy to come upon there yes we've had quite good luck being picked up quite quickly when speaking with locals in the area of the French Alps, they say that they often pick up people because public transport isn't available, like buses don't exist. So everyone knows that it's normally, you know, hikers trying to get to the trail. But we have had one or two times where we've always been picked up, but maybe where we've had to wait quite a long time, which is a bit yeah. hairy, especially if it's at the end of the day when it's getting cold and dark and we've got no food and I'm panicking. But yeah, I, th- I think <laughs> the last one kind of not it didn't put us off, but it kind of made us realise that um, it's not 100 percent reliable. Yeah, we, we do need to, particularly if we're going further into the mountains where the weather can turn, mm. that we shouldn't rely on it, particularly getting back. I think getting out there is okay, but um, the last time we were um, on this road, which is now closed because of the avalanches, but we were, it was getting dark. We'd, we still have food and water and things, but um, <laughs> <A> few peanuts. <laughs> but it took us a long, long time to get picked up. So yes. we were kind of realized maybe it's not the most um, reliable yeah. transport. <laughs> yeah, I think that would go with hitchhiking pretty much anywhere. I mean, I know there's some trails here in the U.S. where hitchhiking along like the Pacific Crest Trail or the Appalachian Trail, that can be a pretty easy. But yeah, it's always it's always part of the adventure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I, th- I think the, um, the, the opportunities you get to speak with locals whilst yeah. you're hitchhiking is, is so interesting as well. Because it's like mm. these, well, I guess it depends on how... Whilst we've been here, I think that the longest journey we've had has been half an hour, you know, so not not long journeys, but um, this kind of, you know, really interesting conversation for 10, 15, 20 minutes. And you, With you, a complete random stranger. It's quite nice. Yeah, you get to know them and then you say goodbye and, you know, you smile and you, you, you never see them again. It's quite an interesting... Um, and it's quite trusting as well on both parts, like someone picking up some strangers from the side of the road and also us getting into a stranger's car. So it's quite a yeah quite a trusting thing that you're doing so you get this suddenly this real quick rapport with these people and you have this really odd conversation that may not be anything that either of you wanted to talk about but you end up going for it anyway yeah this is also um our our French is really uh, embarrassingly bad uh (laughs) so it it does make the conversations very disjointed yeah (laughs) yes just broken words sure so Mm. when you guys are um you're in France now um and your goal is to get to India is that Mm -hmm. correct yes so India is where we'd really like to go and we're cycling because of the fact that we're not flying and we thought oh well we'll explore places along the way as we're going through these countries so originally we had planned to be in France for two weeks we thought but now we've been here 
seven months. Oh. <laughs> so we're going a bit slower <laughs> than we had thought. Well, we ended up, we were going on target for most of it, but as soon as we got here to the mountains, we were like, we we can't just leave. Like we need to explore these yeah. like beautiful mountains. So we have been, and then the winter hit. So we're like, well, we need to sit out winter. Um, yeah, I, I think so is um, like I, I love, I do really enjoy cycle touring, but I think is um, I I can't, you know, I really hate when you're going past all these interesting places and you've got all these hiking trails or these like climbing areas. And you're you're just cycling straight past them. Is uh, I think we realised that we I don't know I don't think we could do it. We 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 just have to stop. I think we ended up spending uh, like over a month in a place called Fontainebleau, just south of Paris, which is a, a really good place for climbing. Um, just all these places where you know we we may never come through this part of France again. So it's like well maybe we take a, a day detour and go to this national park or we do a hike here is um yeah it's proving a lot taking a lot longer than we thought but we are heading in the direction of india in a roundabout way and then from there we do plan to keep traveling east but we don't know when that will be yeah so it's, it's not it's not like a, a final destination and then we stop it's kind of like We've always dreamed of going to India mm-hmm. and we've had a few plans before to go to India, which didn't work out. So this is kind of like we get to India and then we we, we reevaluate from there. See what <laughs> That's cool. You guys are just it's a very open ended journey that you're yeah. living and um, and you're spreading this awesome message. Your website is spreading that. So hopefully some people are gravitating towards what you're doing and maybe just inspired to go see the world like you guys are. Yeah, I think um, I think that the kind of possibilities of overland overland travel, I know it depends on on where you are, but I think um, mm-hmm. is just to to show that, you, you know, you can you can find interesting things wherever you are. I think just the fact that we've taken seven months going through like not even all of France is that you, you don't have to fly to the other side of the world. You could, mm. you know, you can find new things on your doorstep or you can, you know, go just slightly next door and you'll still find like a whole wealth of new things that you can, you know, new experiences that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. What tips do you have? Like what are, what would you say are your top three tips you might have for a vegan outdoors person? who um, someone who's trying to get into the outdoors and they're vegan. I mean, uh, like <laughs> specifically from like the vegan front, I'd say uh, just go, go with, with food, go with snacks. Like don't um, like not just even in the outdoors, just in any, in any kind of tra- like out, like uh, tra- in life, always have snacks. Always have snacks. <laughs> I think is, yeah, is a good, uh, because you, you never know, you, you might get loads of things on offer, you might get nothing on offer. And like when you're crawling up a trail with no food in your belly, it's really not so not so easy. I always need snacks on the trail. I'm always overloaded with my snacks on the trail. <laughs> what, what else would you say? Um, I think to do it first and foremost, I think that rather than building up, like getting outside into something you need to be really prepared for and have lots of gear and lots of knowledge, I think sometimes puts people off but you can as Josh said like find places to explore like so close to your front door that you probably didn't even know about yeah I think it doesn't with some things obviously if you're if you're planning some really you know really remote 
you know, remote trip, then I think you you got to put some preparation in. But then for a lot of things, I just don't let don't let things hold you back. If you if you can't um, if you don't have the best pair of hiking boots, if you don't that's have... okay. Just go in your trainers or yeah. find some from second hand or borrow from a friend and maybe plan a small hike somewhere very close to you so it's not too scary at first things like this like baby steps sort of trying to ease yourself into getting outdoors and I think naturally you become more inspired into doing yeah and then you can start to do kind of bigger bigger things more planning more gear definitely and as long um speaking of second hand like I'm a huge advocate for that too. Do you mm-hmm. find that secondhand shops are easy to come by when you're traveling? Are they pretty common in Europe? In England, they're very common. Like, yeah, really good. Yeah, really, really good. Like you can get really good quality gear, and they're so. You, in Cambridge, where we're from, it's a very small city, but there are tens of tens of secondhand shops where you can buy loads of things. Here in France, we found them not so common. No, they're they're like so as as we're near the Alps, they're huge on skiing. On skiing, so like if we their whole, if you want skis, they've got lots of skis. Yeah, literally like a whole you know whole rooms just filled with secondhand ski gear. But um, but I think now with like social media and the internet, um, there's ev- you know everything online. Like we've um, I'm like Facebook Marketplace and things yeah. like this where you can. And different, what's it like the directory, French directories where you yeah. can find things? Like kind of, kind of classified or like free, mm-hmm. free ads kind of thing. So here, there's quite a few different ones in Switzerland and France where you can find really, really great stuff. Actually, like um, I'm currently in the process of trying to pick up a pair of, I think they've been used twice, a pair of uh, synthetic La Sportiva hiking boots, um, which. They sell for something like around, I think, 180 pounds. But they've these are being sold for 50 euros. Um, so I'm I'm trying to work out how to pick them up. But the issue is that the woman who's selling them doesn't speak any English, and I don't speak much French. So we're having a few issues communicating. <laughs> <laughs> well, can't you just use Google Translate? Uh, I mean, that's not always 100% accurate, but. <laughs> So this is what I've been going with, but she doesn't like to communicate via message. So she said to call her. And then every time I've tried to call, she gets frustrated with the conversation (laughs) and puts the phone down. Uh, So we first started talking last week and I still haven't actually been able to pick up the shoes yet. So hopefully this weekend. (laughs) It's a work in progress. Yeah. Yes. Always, always part of the adventurous journey. That's when you just got to find a nice, a nice French speaking woman who speaks both languages and offer to buy her a nice vegan treat after she translates for you. <laughs> yeah, I've been, uh... One of our housemates we live with, she speaks very good English and is French. So she's going to be our translator for <laughs> the booze. Yeah, for the transaction. Oh, perfect. Perfect. And um, how about just biking in general? Do you guys, um, is that pretty much your main mode of transportation or do you use the train often there? Because I know trains are so easy in Europe. We cycle everywhere. Um, and then we get the train if we want to go on a hike, maybe somewhere that's quite far away. So we would take our bikes on the train and get the train and then cycle from the train station to the trail. Um, we've done a few so where we are is not literally right in the mountains um so we've done a few hikes where we've done like a 
a 20, 20, 30 kilometer cycle before and afterwards. And because you're going, because we're going into the mountains and it's going uphill, it's a very, very hard day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think we've done a few of them and then realised that... Um, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough, yeah. Maybe trains and hitchhiking works a bit easier. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I can only imagine how challenging that is. I'm not a big cyclist, but I'll I'll bike around our neighborhood once in a while and it it works your legs a lot, so I can imagine that you guys have some really strong strong thighs there. <laughs> <laughs> we actually with um one of the hikes in the summer we we took the bikes on the train and went um kind of half halfway between where we live and Mont Blanc and um we had routed the way, so I, I knew it was only, it was less than 15 miles cycle. So, you, you know, we thought it was fairly straightforward, but I didn't look at the altitude gain. And we, we started cycling from the train station. Within five minutes, it got really seriously uphill. And we noticed that um, all of the people going past us were these lycra clad cyclists on pro road road bikes. And then um, realized that it was the Col de Colombia, which is a... Uh, a famous leg in the um, Tour de France and it was yeah by the time we got to the trail I was ready to go home it yeah was a, a, that was an adventure in <laughs> itself and during a heat wave as well I think it was about 35 degrees it was a, a hard day yes <laughs> oh wow so I gotta ask what are your families full supporters of what you guys are doing yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's different so I would say that for even within my family like my dad was very supportive and was like go do you know what you need to do but my mum is very anxious and very worried I think she's very happy that I'm doing something that I enjoy but is conscious like very very concerned always that it's maybe not a lifestyle that she thinks is necessarily safe and would much rather that I was living near her at home with a mortgage and a dog (laughs) (laughs) and yeah I think um my my mum particularly has has never never liked me traveling but as well I think from a a young age of you know young age of traveling she she's got used to the fact that she knows that if I stayed in one place I wouldn't be very happy but she still likes to tell me every time we speak oh you know you can be careful you could come back home you could stay here um but yeah, I think that they know that that we wouldn't ever be able to do that. Um, mm. So I think it's just they're very supportive. Like they know that we're doing something that we really love and that we're passionate about, and they're happy for us doing that. But I think as parents do, they will always worry that we are in sometimes dangerous places and yeah, choosing so... a lifestyle that isn't very traditional. So we always have a habit of um, not not to worry them, but <clears throat> so my parents haven't. Um, they even, you know, they're quite an international family, but they've not seen mountains really. They've not, um, they've not experienced mountains. So I'll always, if we're going on these trips or camping in the mountains, I'll try and send them a video or tell them about the trip before we go. And I'll, I'll tell them the name of the mountain that we're going to climb, and then they'll, they'll Google it and see, ah, oh, this is this kind of crazy scramble up a rock face with this like <laughs> sleeping on a cliffside. And they're like, just make sure you tell us when you get back down. <laughs> yes. Uh, do you guys use um, a GPS tracker when you go to these places? Uh, no, we, I, we we use GPS on our phones. But um, I think the 
the the whole of the Alps is is well not all of the Alps but in this region it's nowhere is particularly remote mm-hmm. um, so even from unless you kind of had bad conditions and you couldn't see you're um, you're you're never very far from a town so it's not um, I mean that's the case here but as we travel further east that won't be the case no so maybe then we'll get a GPS. so we do plan to get one but that's a purchase yet to come a future purchase <laughs> yeah yeah future future things to happen <laughs> well um are there any final things that you think some listeners should know about a vegan lifestyle any final misconceptions that you want to share with people I think just that like you can you can do the the craziest of things with a vegan a vegan diet you know there's no um mm-hmm. you look at people like uh Scott Durek you look at um there's a who's the guy I've been speaking, a guy called Kuntel Joishi is a Nepalese climber who's just climbed Lhotse and he's climbed Everest he's climbed well a lot of 8,000 plus meter peaks with completely vegan gear, completely vegan diet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, it's nothing to hold you back. You know, if you, if you, if you choose that veganism is the right thing for you, you know, you want to be more ethical for animals and the environment, then, then don't let it hold you back in the outdoors. It yeah, should, completely. if anything, it can, I mean, we, we've never, you know, we're, we're very, we're not we don't get ill we don't you know we're not sore after hiking or anything you know it shouldn't be anything to to hold you back so you just go for it yeah you're not sore after hiking and you think that has to do because of being vegan no well not particularly but as in as in we're not uh, lacking nutrients we're not um you know, not lacking protein oh sure oh. we recover you know just just as well as anyone else would from yeah physical activity it's not held us back at all, like having a vegan lifestyle or having a vegan diet when we've been in the outdoors. Right, right. Because I just think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that you're not going to be getting all of your your vitamins and the proper nutrition mm-hmm. in. So I know that's a lot of hesitations for some people. Yeah, like it is, I won't lie, it, you do have to, you're cutting off a lot of the food that's available on the market. So in that sense, it is more difficult but you just very quickly develop a knowledge of, you know, things that you can eat, like beans and pulses and tofu and nuts and seeds, things that you can get these certain vitamins and nutrients that you need from. And you just incorporate more of those instead to replace the things that you can't eat anymore. Yeah. And and also not just for because I think you've, you, you know, majority of people who are vegan split between most people do it for the kind of animal welfare side and other people do it for the sustainability side. We've got to a state with the environment where I think everyone should be considering cutting down on, on red meat because it has such a huge, even if you don't have the, uh, you know, you're not so much concerned about animal welfare, I think is red meat has such a drastically bigger uh, carbon footprint to plant-based food that I think it's something even if you're not you know not everyone is going to be as easy to go completely vegan but everyone should consider cutting down on you know at least cutting down a few meals a week where they're they're going plant-based right I know some you know some people do like meatless Mondays or just even yeah, once yeah. a week could start making a difference in in our world yeah definitely if, if everyone if everyone did that it would make a, a huge difference mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good message. So if you're listening, people, go Meatless Mondays this coming Monday. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then Tuesday and then Wednesday and then. <laughs> yes. Slowly. Um, so if people wanted to get in touch with you, what's what's the best way for people to connect with you? Social media. So yeah. we have a Twitter, Veggie Vagabonds, we have Instagram, which is Veggie Vagabonds, on Facebook as well. We have a Veggie Vagabonds page. You can find So, so I think if they're um I think a good place to obviously you've got the real visual content on Instagram, which is a good place to kind of see our story updates, kind of day to day stuff. All your recipes. I think Facebook is a really good because we're, you know, we're starting to build quite a nice community of other, you know, people who are interested in the outdoors. Um, So that's a nice place to see the things that we're doing. And we also share lots of other, you know, inspiring stories and, Mm -hmm. you know, have lots of inspiring people who are also part of part of the group so I think that would be a good way and the blog I think if you really want to find out a bit more about us like read about our travels like anything to do with veganism sustainability like we write a lot of gear reviews as well and about our journey cycling around the world then on the blog veggievagabonds.com is the best way and you can leave comments on there as well awesome well thank you so much you guys this has been super enlightening to speak with you and I'm really excited to see where your journey takes you. I hope that you guys end up in Torino, Italy, because yeah. it is gorgeous there. I think you guys yeah. will love it. Well, when we're going through, we'll, we'll take a photo to send to you, and then you can. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Please. But yeah. Oh, but but being vegan, can you guys eat chocolate? There... If it's dark chocolate. Okay. Because yeah, the Torino, Italy is known for like certain types of chocolate. So make sure you grab some chocolate when you're there. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll look out for some dark chocolate. All right. Thank you so much, you guys. After that episode, um, actually the week after, I started taking the train to work. And not because of that episode necessarily, but because of certain life circumstances. We only had one car. So I was taking the train in and... Then hike, walking or hiking about a mile and a half into work in really cold weather. So it is possible to make small changes and cut back on some driving if you want to start to be more sustainable. But just know it's it's a little challenging to make those changes. I know it took me some adjustment period and now I'm back to driving. But during that time, it was challenging. It was a learning curve. Yeah, you have to rely more on others as well, which you also did. And like they said, too, they were hitchhiking. You kind of did that. I mean, it was more planned out with your coworker getting a, a ride to work. Um, so it wasn't necessarily hitchhiking with the strangers <laughs> you meet. But in the same sense, you're relying on others to, to help you out um, and get you from place to place. And before I quit my job this past summer, I was taking the bus into work all the time, too. And that's another way we can just kind of reduce our carbon footprint is by finding these different modes of transportation, using public transportation, um, carpooling, um, biking like Veggie Vagabonds do. Yeah, and they have a lot of other really great resources and tips for ways you can reduce your carbon footprint on their website. I know we talked about their um article on tips to do that so be sure to check that out yeah and you can find all of their stuff on their website veggievagabonds.com 
and you can find them on social media at Veggie Vagabonds as well. And I believe all of that is in their website. So we'll have a link to their website and their Instagram in the description of this podcast episode. And I know I've said it before, but their food pictures are sure to have you drooling. They look delicious. Thanks for listening. We love sharing these stories with you through the Hiking Through Life podcast, and we're so grateful that you listen to this podcast. If you'd like to support the Hiking Through Life podcast further, we have these amazing new t-shirts and water bottles. The t-shirts come in four colors, and the water bottles are perfect for trails, adventuring, or daily use. Consider checking them out at hikingthroughlife.net slash shop. Use the code podcast and receive 10% off your first order. You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.